Hiya, Nick. Hey, Adam. How are you doing? All good, how are you? Uh, we're here with a listener, aren't we? This is before the episode starts. Yeah. What episode is this one? Roma by Alfonso Cuaron. Lovely movie, this one. So good. Uh, first occasion, my mother uh, watched the movie before us and was like, oh, you should do this one. And then I was like, all right, mum, we'll do it. So, oh, yeah. Good recommendation from my mother there. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Good one. Well done, Carol. <laughs> um, yeah, she was saying that I'd really like it because it's very feminist mm. and kind of focused on women's problems in different aspects so i was really excited to watch it and yeah i was not upset i think i think it was really moving actually it's one of these films that sticks with you for sure oh yeah there are a couple scenes in that that really got to me and you'll hear us go on at length and different different aspects of the movie here uh, i enjoyed this episode if you enjoyed this episode, here comes our friendly reminder. <laughs> uh, in a later episode this year, we mentioned that we'd love to break the top 200 for iTunes for film and TV. Be that, like, 200 is fine. The way to do that is if you could just, you know, leave us a review wherever you listen. YouTube, iTunes, Podbean, whatever you listen to. They all help. I know I remind you at the end of every episode to do it, but um, we're just, you know, we'd really love to keep going with the podcast because we think we've got something really good here. So, yeah. yeah. It's nice to know what people think as well. Like, if you liked this, do you want more of this? What did you think of the film? Like, everyone has their own different opinions. So it's really nice to know what's out there and what people think when they hear us speak. So yeah, if you could do that. And then the next voices you'll hear are us saying hello to you again and Jan entering the room. So uh, bye for now. And you're about to meet us. Again. Again. So <laughs> enjoy the episode. Enjoy, guys. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, welcome back. Today we're talking about, well, we're starting, as we started last year, but we didn't finish it last year, the Oscar and BAFTA award season movies, starting off today with Roma. Oh, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Mm. Who listeners might know his work from Gravity and Son of Man. Are two children of children men. Children of man, not children of men. Sorry, son of man is another thing. And uh, the prisoner of Azkaban. Oh yeah, you're kidding. No, nope. why didn't I know that? That's awesome. Sorry. So he wrote and directed this, and his usual cinematographer was not available, so he also did the cinematography. Oh Ooh, wow! Interesting. Yeah, that's a lot of work. It was produced and released on Netflix, but it had a three weeks window in theaters to be eligible eligible yeah. to Oscars mm-hmm. and it's nominated for 10 of them <laughs> wow it's like top billing in BAFTA it's, it's the BAFTA it's for that and Stars Born are the two big hitters and the favourite I think those are the big three yeah um, for Oscars we've also got well, the BAFTA ones are Green Book This Roma Star is Born Black Klansman and one other that I can't remember for BAFTA I'd have to look it up I can't remember the top of my head but the other thing is it for because there's like eight for the Academy Awards, and we know Black Panther is one for best oh, yeah. film. Yeah, they've, they've been, Black Panther's been doing really well. Mm. Picked up quite a few at the SAG, Saga Awards. Sag, Awards. SAG Awards last week. SAG Awards, yeah, it wouldn't be Saga Awards. It's not an Alu, babe. <laughs> <laughs> That's SAG. Ah, <laughs> oh, SAG. Because you would pronounce it SAG Alu, so yeah, you would think SAG Alu. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's SAG Alu. Sorry, my, my it's ignorance. Spinach potato my ignorance there <laughs> okay <laughs> apologies um saga award the, saga was <laughs> there is a variety uh, article that i will link at some point but plenty of good stuff in there the everything was uh, shot in sequence there's yeah. a good story for that i reckon because the main the main actress cleo is not a pro- well not a prof- not not a professional actress but doesn't really act this was one of our first goals right well, well, the thing is, pretty much, he didn't care about if the actors were actors or what he wanted, because it's based on his childhood memories, right? Mm. So he just wanted the best doppelgangers possible. Yeah. So she had to look like her and have the um, the feeling. But at the end, you've got uh, Fo Libo, who is uh, Liboria Rodriguez, his real-life nanny, to whom the, the film is dedicated. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that is nice. So he is, so like, it's... one of the children? Yes. Right, okay. The one who likes, because that's what you also have airplanes. He loves uh, airplanes. Mm. I was wondering about what, what the airplane significance was, because that, that kind of links the beginning to the end in the reflections. I mean, I thought that 
the way to start a movie was one of the best I've ever seen. And I mean, even like halfway through when the water goes through the, the cake, uh, was it octagonal? It was like concrete slabs on the on the floor while yeah, she was washing the floor. I think they were octagonal or hexagons. I think they were six-sided. And you could just see the water kind of ebb and flow over the concrete slabs. And then, of course, with the water, it reflected the sky. And then through that reflection, you get an airplane going across it. Mm. I mean, that's pretty cool. It looked amazing. <laughs> I almost uh, I almost gave it more props because I was watching this going, oh, that's a great way to reveal the starch in an airport. And then it wasn't like, oh, of course, it's just an airplane flying over. But I thought that would be a great way to start a film if, say, you it was like a janitor in a like in, a, in, a, in an airport. I thought that's a great way to do yeah. that. But to reflect the sky, which we come back to at the end, the very end, great opening, great yeah. opening, very. Um, and I'll be t- I'll mention this more than once. A lot of call me by your name going on here. I thought, yeah, you know the whole. If we look at the spoiler for the last scene, not story wise, for um, call me by your name, when is it Emilio? His name in the in the film? Yeah. Timothy Charlemagne's character? Elio. Elio, sorry. When he's staring into the fire yeah. at the end of the movie. I got a lot of vibes from that here at that opening. And when we come back to it at the end, I, I did feel a bit of that as well. Like you were watching someone's life. You were literally the camera that you were watching mm. into someone's. Yeah, I, I definitely got that in the beginning because, you know, when she walks into the, the bathroom and you're standing outside of it and you wait for her and obviously you don't know that it's a bathroom until you hear the flush mm. and it also might be the she's probably just putting the water into the refilling the refilling yeah yeah but um it was almost like you're watching a private moment there's a lot of that in this film there's a very there's an air i talked about it when we me and anuk watched it last night i know Jan, you watched it later on something i'm calling from now on protagonist syndrome which is defined as whenever a protagonist of a movie is in the wrong place at the right time or the right place at the right time i.e. a protagonist will hear a key piece of information relating to something else going on in the movie. The the moment I thought is when we see her employer, the mother, later on being seduced at a party and she's like just in the doorway. I'm like, ah, it's protagonist syndrome, you know? And that's kind of what the I felt was going on with the camera a lot in this movie. We were a huge case of pro- just lurking around, being there at the, mo- the moment, right moments and times, you know? Well, there were plenty of very crowded shots. Sometimes it was hard to locate the person we were looking for and and sometimes there were actually multiple actions going on, like the the latest with at the party at the end, the crab. You've got a, <laughs> I love the crab. A, a wedding in the background on the right, and on the forefront on the left, you've got all the sad family. Uh, and there are plenty of shots like this where plenty of stuff happens independently. I oh, yeah, I thought all that stuff was amazing. Actually, it was quite well thought out. I don't. This probably won't be his first go because obviously, as a director, you you look at you're directing your cinematographer. You know, so you have an eye for cinematography. But a lot of this stuff is is beautifully shot mm-hmm. like there's a lot of great i don't know what episode it was i thought maybe it was mandy when i said you know if you stopped at any moment it looked like a picture because i would say i said pit it in a picture to any <laughs> delightment yeah again here there are very numerous scenes where you could stop it and go right write an essay about what's going on in this scene you know like the sort of things you would get at school or university if you were looking at something and you're like, right, what's going on here? What is the filmmaker showing us? How do we know that? All that all that great stuff that you hate at school. But now we do this podcast. We're like, ah, oh, I would, I could do that for days, mm-hmm. you know. Plenty of uh, deep staging. That scene just before, the, uh, yeah, Cleo discovers, well, the guy is trying to flirt with the mum. Just before that, there's the scene where the two dogs are sleeping. So many things in that just single frame. And plenty of other shots that are quite incredibly like i mean the thing is the he managed to all from memory right so he reconstructed everything from his childhood so i guess he must have had those shots for because that, that's not a thing yet you think like on the fly on the day i reckon no because i can talk to that again because we watch films and we're involved in that world there are some moments i'll see something and go oh, i know how i would shoot that or i would i remember stories from my past say i was at a nightclub or something i'm like ah this is how this would look if you shot this you know you have that you you can re you can frame your images because you now know that medium and i think that's the case here he 
the the key thing I thought because throughout the film I'm like this is the busiest Mexico must have the busiest streets ever with the the, the marching bands and the at one point Anouk thought it was a pram on fire but it's like a chimney thing probably like, like a street vendor going mm-hmm. down the street which obviously now we know it's a semi semi autobiographical piece that that obviously these people did walk down his street when he was a kid and he remembers that and that's why they're in the yeah. film. I mean, even on Wikipedia, you have the sh- uh, a picture and the shot of the film and a picture of what his house looked like from the street. And it's pretty much exactly the same. Mm. So this must have been really interesting to do for himself because, again, yeah, semi-autobiographical. It's a really weird word to say, isn't is it? it? Is it semi-autobiographical? No, I, I think it's semi-biographical. Biographical. Because auto implies you, it's your own, you write your own biography. Also biographical is you write it on your own. Biography is somebody writes, you can have a ghostwriter. It's a biography of somebody. An autobiography is written by the person. But he wrote it. from Yeah, from the elements he got from her. Yeah. So he got some weird telephone conversations about some of the dresses she was wearing at the time and stuff. Oh, mm. really? Yeah. That's great research. So I think a first question I want to ask is, a lot of people will be turned off by this movie. For the simple fact that it is black and white, because black yeah, and white subtitles as well, and subtitles as well. But black and white to some people, I don't know why people get annoyed by it. Because unless it's predating coloured film, it's not a choice. It's black and white. So when you shoot something in black and white, it's clearly an artistic or story choice. So I'm curious: does anyone know, or does what are our own opinions of why we think this is black and white? Mm-hmm. Go on, Jan. Oh yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> I think I know. He said, "Uh huh." I know I'm not entirely sure because the yeah, that's probably how we remember things in black and white. No, I'm not entirely sure. But what I'm sure is what I'm because this is clearly a creative choice. Hmm. What I'm turned off by is the uh, creative choices to have them in black and white afterwards, like Mad Max or Logan. Ah, okay, which makes no sense. But except for uh, selling more tickets, probably, or uh, buying, uh, selling more Blu-rays. But uh, yeah, um, I would tend to be more put off by subtitles rather than black and white, actually. I've never had an issue with black and white or subtitles. I again have was brought up with two my both my parents went to film school and so I I pretty much was brought up on black and white and subtitles and so I don't really see a difference Mm. but I guess if you don't have that in your background it can be quite difficult to know how to watch a film and to read read subtitles and it's kind of like an added thing you have to work on I'm guessing my I hmm. so my thought process behind him deciding to do it in a black and white was to make it feel a bit more real like focus on the characters and the actions that they do the process you know the thought process that they go through rather than color scheme Mm. and i don't know that would never usually take away from it but i think maybe he wanted to really focus on the story i think it's always interesting when a film set in a place that will be colorful such as Mexico, because especially when we go to different locations as well, like the countryside and then Fernand's village, essentially. You know, we, we, we go outside, we go to different locations that would have different colour schemes. I always think it is interesting when these are they are presented in black and white, because it's clearly a choice. I mean, people, I think people forget, it's like when you make something black and white, you don't forget about colour, you know, like with the costume design and all that, on that stuff, because that stuff has to be bright, because depending on how bright... Well, how much light is hitting something depends on how white it is on the screen or how black it is, you know? The balance of black and white. In the same way as we've mastered the art of colouring in film now, in the same way black and white has that that thing to it too. So it's always curious to me when you look at it and go, why are we black and white? Or what does black and white add? And I think, I think you're quite right with the whole focus on the story as well. And also that I think there's a lot of subtle storytelling in this with beats and certain scenes that, kind of key you into what's going on i think black and white here starting off it goes like this isn't going to be like other films that i've directed it also it's a step away from say gravity or children of men get it right the second time or even harry potter you know all these bright and colorful films there's already a separation for us going right this is a different story 
Also, the story itself, a lot of people, including my parents, because my parents watched this first because I said, oh, we're going to review this. And they were like, I didn't really know where it was going. But my mum really got into it. And they, they both agree it's a really good film. There's a lot of time where you're like, where where are we going? Like, what is the story here? I quite liked that. And, and for a change, you know, not knowing anything about the film going in, just watching it for what it what it was. So I like that. I think for the answer to a long question i think it's it's you're right it's a degree of separation and also a way of telling us that this is different this is a different piece of media mm. you know it's yeah. something else this is real rather than film yeah the subtitles were quintessential because there were there was a warning sign at the start about the subtitles and i don't know if you noticed i noticed it once the subtitles that were actually on different part of the screen depending on like at one point there were subtitles, but only on the left side because the people talking were on the left instead ah. of, instead of usually everyone is in the center kind of thing. I didn't even clock that. I didn't clock that either. I, I mean, I was wondering, actually, I was a little bit worried going through because oh, there was a warning that said that in brackets that it would be, is it mixed tech, the language? Uh, mixed, yeah, mix, mix, mix tech. Yeah, that's where she's. That's her. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, so that would be her and the woman that she worked with. I didn't think they were sisters or related. No, they're friends. Friends, yeah. yeah. And in real life, they're also friends. The two actresses. <laughs> two. Oh, really? Yeah. And other people, and then with the family, it would be Spanish. Mm. So there were different languages and the way they did it was if it was mixed tech, it'd be in brackets. And I, when I first read that, I was like, that's going to be really confusing. But actually it wasn't because no. the mixed tech came in a, in a scene where you knew that they, the way that it was shot was so well done because they kind of made it like this is a separate scene. These are different people who have different lives and they have different parties and they're not allowed. It's not, it's not about not allowed, but there is a sense of like hierarchy that you get and not in a aggressive way. It's not like the family was mean to her or made her feel like she was lesser, but it, there were just subtle things. Like I would give you an example, <laughs> the scene where the family's watching TV and Cleo's like getting the plates together and she's, they're all laughing. And then she, likes what they're watching so she'll she'll crouch down and one of the kids puts her, his arm around her and then she's part of the family and then suddenly the wife goes Cleo can you get the doctor a cup of tea and then she has to leave and even just that subtle moment that she looks back because you know deep down what she'd love to do is to stay and watch tv with the family but so there's this it really subtle moments like that where you're like this is a hierarchy and this is someone that isn't totally free. So that's how, I don't know, they, they'd make the, the language differences not so complicated because it was only done in certain scenes. I hope that Adam noticed the wing of the thigh. Yes, I did. So it was a film called uh, La Grande Vadrouille, which is with the same actor. I spotted him. I turned to Nuki and went, because that's... Right, for context for listeners, because that review won't be out yet, we are doing an episode way later called The Wing of the Fly, which is a French movie that I thought was another really powerful French movie, but it wasn't. So I went into this film expecting this masterpiece of like coming of age, and it was essentially a French, what in Britain we would call a carry-on movie. And I was just, I, I was, at one, I was hard on it. And two, I was annoyed because it wasn't, it wasn't the film I wanted. Anyway, in the scene where... Cleo tells Fermin? Fermin she's pregnant and he leaves, which is a very important scene. I'm looking in the background because I recognize the actor going, hang on, that's the guy from a wig or a fie. Yeah, it was tough as well because, I mean, immediately I was like, I don't recognize him. So I was like, no, 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 no. But also, this is a really important scene. Like, I can't be focusing on that right now. But, oh, um, dear. Did, uh, it'd be interesting to see, did you guys know or think that he would leave and not come back? Or were you surprised or? I didn't realize right away that it was related. No. Okay. I, I, Adam? Yeah, I, I knew it. So did I. The way... It it's, was kind of it's sad. The, it's not that. It's the way he handles her telling it. It's not the fact that he leaves like to go to the bathroom, even though she goes, the film's almost over, which is the big key. It's the way he handles the news of like being very relaxed and very calm. Because if you were into it, you'd be excited. And if you hated it, you'd be annoyed. Yeah, I think I kind of got it. But I think that didn't allow me to 
to realize how much he was a total misogynist. But okay, well, okay, let me start again. So the scene where she decides to go and see him after he has, after his training camp, and mm. it's actually quite difficult for her to find him because she has to go through friends and then another friend and then da da da, take a trip and etc. And she finds him and he reacts really badly. Like he treats her awfully and quite scary actually, like, you know, threatening to beat her and, and the child, which was really uncalled for. <laughs> um, now, later on, we see him pointing a gun to her mm. in, the, in the department store. Did any of you think that maybe he was protecting her? By being so violent, in a way, yeah, probably. Um, I didn't think that now, but when you raised that point, that's a very that's a great argument there. Yeah, probably. I thought maybe he was like, "Don't ever, I don't want to ever see you again, and I'll, or I'll beat you, like totally terrify her." Or you don't want to be involved with me, with me, because this is my world, and I don't yeah. want your world. This is who I am. Right. Sorry, because he's not. He's obviously not training for the Olympics. He. It's a paramilitary <laughs> group, so. I don't know. I, I think when I saw that, I... Because I, so on Wikipedia, it says he glares at her. Now, I kind of disagree. I feel like he yeah. didn't glare. I think it was a... It wasn't a pot, an apology, but it was almost like, now do you understand? This is my life. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have time for you or children or love or whatever. I, I'm, a, I'm part of... A paramilitary group where i could die any day or i kill people it's not and also the fact that when we were first introduced to him he's very much like a we think he's a nice guy because well i don't know i don't know from experience because i never went to date with a cinema but you know when you go to the cinema on a date we we have a friend actually who told us she went on a date to the cinema with somebody and it was just a nightmare right you know like that whole dark secluded room sort of vibe you know and he's like nah let's go for a walk instead in public, you know, have a nice time together, just with me and you, not distracted by anything else. So we have this vibe that he's a, you know, a nice guy. And then even though we have the intense scene where he's, I have to say as a bloke, when he's wild, flying around with that bar from the shower, I'm like, one wrong move, mate. And it's gets say goodnight. Because that's going to sting. That. It was quite a raw moment, though, because it almost showed how intimate they are together. Like he's showing her part of his life and he's totally naked, but it's it's like there's like a comfort thing there. Like it mm. it's not it doesn't matter. So you didn't have that so you know when someone loses their virginity in quite a lot of films you have this whole thing. Actually we don't know if from that scene. But later on we find out that Yeah, it's implied she, in the exam. She only had yeah. one sexual partner. So you usually have, you know, they're, they're, they're caressing each other and everything's all lovely and, you know, it's all kind of awkward and intimate. Mm. And here it's just like, this is, we're just super comfortable with each other and we're just showing what, you know, our interests in a really, <laughs> it's quite intense, but it's like, it's nice for them. So that probably makes you feel even more for her when he leaves. Because this maybe could have been, maybe this was her chance to be... I don't know. Well, we hope happy the, in a family. I mean, there's both. The whole film is about motherhood, really. When you think about it, if you sit down and go, if you need to think of a, a way to describe this movie to someone, I'd say it's the it's it's somebody's experience with family and with growing. In a way, it's a it's a coming of age movie. Yeah, that's because what it, I thought. Because there's there's an extreme loss of innocence. You know, there's a there's a, an event happens in your life that changes your way going forward, and you can't return to how you were. And that's definitely apparent in this film. And in a scene that might, when I watch that scene, I'm like, this scene alone might win the awards. Oh, the, God. The, 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 so yeah, the hospital, the the, ho yeah. the whole hospital I, bed I, and the birth. I had the birth. Yeah, I had my fingers like that. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, okay. That, that scene alone might will probably win Best Cinematography, probably, if it's up in cinematography. I wouldn't be surprised. And actually, probably, I haven't seen any of the other nominations yet, but as a performance as from an actress, that scene was pretty good. Um, just like the chest busting in Alien, nobody knew about it coming. Mm. So they had the script coming daily. Oh, wow, so okay. She, so she only learned about it on the day. Oh, well done, her. Bloody her. I mean, that's, that is... I don't oh know if goodness. we, I don't know, we, we never really talked about this the, when, because we never really had it before when somebody that isn't a professional 
I hate that phrase in this in this circumstance because she is a professional actress now because she's in this film and that's you know professional work. Well, I think because I watched it was it Jimmy Fallon? Um, Probably yeah. And she she talks about how she's she's a teacher. She's oh, wow. not an actress. Yeah. Obviously, being translated, she doesn't speak any English, hmm. so it was all in Spanish. But she was basically saying that her sister wanted to um, audition. And because her sister is pregnant, she couldn't. So she talked her other <laughs> talked her um, into auditioning, and she got the part. Wow! And um, but it's it is interesting actually learning about how her sister is pregnant. She might have took on that. There's a lot of time in this film. I was thinking about Victoria a lot actually because there's quite a lot of panning shots, aren't there? And like long sh- long shots. Yeah, and the, and the, and again with the sense of losing innocence and a lot oh. a lot of stuff that's it, it's apparent in Victoria even even some in the cases the one shots when we're well, the, the one shots that are on the on the track that follow her down a street or even on the beach there's there's loads of them which are really nice. I really like them. In the sense that in Victoria that actress who is a professional actress had that air of being able to play somebody that didn't feel like it was an actor. You know, when you watch some people and it's, even though they're, they're being the part, you know that they're an actor and that you can't break that illusion. I didn't know that she wasn't a professional actress, but in most of these scenes, I was amazed of how real and how much of a, of a normal person, like a real person she was. And that, that was there in Victoria as well. But I think that scene alone, I think not being aware as some actors might be of them of themselves and how they look and trying to do all the all the, the the art of business on screen the rawness that of how real and how normal it is for it looks and I don't mean normal because that's not a normal situation having a stillbirth the the, the the not letting go of the child like the, the of you're like of course you wouldn't because whereas an actor I know because I know in the script I let go somewhere in myself I know that I will let go of this child but there's this 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 rawness that's really adds to that scene I think yeah it's like it depends on what you want as a director when you're casting you have to know what that actor will bring to your scene and obviously she was able to bring a sense of realism to it where I think you you are made to feel uncomfortable because the whole time you want that camera to to move away Mm. but you watch the whole thing like you see that baby you like I was shocked I was absolutely shocked am I screaming that the camera didn't pan away and also wrapping up the baby yeah yeah in the in the background yeah and what's even worse is that this is all happening she did this so well uh while she's in pain and the doctor's saying like your placenta's coming sorry this is gonna get quite gruesome but placenta's coming out and also i'm gonna stitch you up so she's being stitched up and as soon as that's end has ended he hands her her dead it's her dead baby to say goodbye to it's like i have never seen the whole time i was like please please fade to black or something <laughs> everything shut down please i, I don't to- want to watch anymore and i feel i you know when you feel the tears coming i didn't i literally just tears were just falling like in that split second, as soon as you see that baby, I was like, my, m- both me and Adam, just hands just went straight over our mouths. Like, okay, they're oh. going to force us to watch this. Oh, I, sh- wow. I talk about what it before. I talk about it before with scoring in music in films a lot because I, I love music and all that jazz. That <laughs> <laughs> jazz. Yeah. But the, I, I'd have to watch it again to be certain, but I do not think there is score over this at all. I think this scene is is silent the only stuff going on is foley you yeah. know machines beeping uh, surgeons and nurses speaking i don't think there is any music her sobbing, her sobbing. There, yeah. that and that in itself is is a great yeah is a great fucking choice the camera doesn't move that's also this. Uh, no, yeah one single shot with her in focus on the yep. foreground and the baby out of focus in the background i yeah. mean i mean the Ooh. the realism the, not the real sorry realism is the wrong word the the reality of just the doctor doing it three times and then that's it you know like if it was like clear and all you know all we the images we have of like trying to revive somebody from death met with what probably is the reality yeah because think- people as doctors they do this every day and this will not sadly that will not be the only stillborn child probably born that day in that hospital no you know yeah the thing is it takes you because I, uh, from the 
the first 45 minutes, you think it's kind of a vegan movie, like no steaks at all, nothing. Mm. And, and <laughs> That's a great description, Jan. <laughs> oh my goodness. Could we, we, that be a thing that we say? It's a, it's a vegan movie. No steaks. It, there's no steaks in this movie. It's a vegan movie. That's terrible. That's it's terrible, yeah, but it's, it's very good. Oh my goodness. But, it took me a while to hit and I was like, uh, why is that uh, been reacting? Oh, wait. Hey, Jan, <laughs> Jan, how long did you work on that joke? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I thought about including it here, but uh, I thought about this a while ago. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Sorry, no, go 45 on. minutes is when the, the cinema with the, the wing of the thigh, uh, so when she learns that yeah, she's no longer with the Fermin. And so it took me a while to get in because, yeah, it's slow and uh, yeah. you've got like the, the camera panning from right to left slowly, uh, from left to right slowly. And you feel that the actors are just trying to follow what's happening. It's, it's, yeah. it's a, but it's lovely. And what, uh, yeah, what I wanted to say, to touch on something we just talked about earlier about the fact that she's in the family, but not really. Mm. Uh, something I said a long time ago and which was entirely wrong. So in Morocco, uh, the Pienoir, so the French that were there or still there, they always had maids. And I'm not entirely sure, I don't, I don't think they were ever in the family. But what I'd like to correct is that when I said that my grandparents, they were expelled. No, they were not. It's only in Algeria that they were expelled because if they didn't leave, it was death. In Morocco, they just left. We're not sure why. Okay. To this, wow, okay. Yeah, we're not sure why they left to this day. But uh, yeah. Yeah, because you think of when i think you think you think french algerian that that phrase to me is in a in a historic mind i'm like that rings a bell even though i don't know anything about the the that time and period in history but french morocco i didn't never i've i've never thought about but clearly obviously is you know but anyway it's one of the strong it felt like a little mouse in a little hole watching the the life of those people yeah spying a bit <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it felt kind of invasive. And I think that's probably why that, um, I don't know what to call it, that pregnancy, okay, giving birth scene was so intense because it is like you're in that scene. And also, I think you kind of grow to like this person, this character you've kind of watched through quite a lot of the t turning points in her life. And then she's going through this horrific thing. And you, you also think she's so quiet and innocent and she kind of just gets on with the things that she does like her work and the family and the kids etc you don't actually know how she's going to handle this either hmm. and that's what i was quite interested to see does she totally freak out does she leave does she just get even more silent does she just carry on like how and i think that's kudos to everyone involved because you are interested to see how she's she'll deal with you know her daughter not ever being alive well outside the stomach I, uh, it's i don't know if it's implied but somewhere in the back of my mind when after the the scene in the the furniture store where she meets she sees fernand and he points the gun and for me for me and um and she and our water breaks i don't know if anyone else got this feel but i definitely got a bit of premature right i know she looks quite big in the the shots leading up to that like she is heavily pregnant but did anyone else yeah. get that vibe of like that was the the str I don't know how the body works, but I know you. If you're stressed, you can get stomach upsets. So I imagine the same sense. If you're in a super stressful situation, you can induce your own labor. Oh, essentially, oh, oh, def oh definitely, for sure, right? Yeah. And also, she. It seemed like she didn't really get that much rest, so she probably didn't look after herself as well as maybe someone else would. Hmm. I think it's also interesting. I know. I know it's semi biographical, but. Putting her in totally involved in a family that has five kids is um, is in, an interesting watch because as much as you're like oh she's surrounded by kids like that can you know she's surrounded by people so it's it's more mm -hmm. she can carry on with her life it's also a constant reminder that your child didn't make it and that's quite an interesting dynamic because. Uh, I don't know. I feel like every single decision, every single moment that, okay, this could go this way or that way, I actually had no idea where it would go. No. Like maybe Fermin stays. Maybe she loses the baby at one point. I also even turned to Adam and, you know, when 
that slow pan down of her body when it's like she she touches her stomach oh yeah i actually for a second thought is that going to be blood rather than her water breaking because i literally had no idea where this film was going Mm. but honestly as soon as she got into the (laughs) operating room i I was not expecting stillborn i think it's nice that um sadly he's no longer with us um bernardo berlatucci Uh, bernardo bertolucci bertolucci and his on call me by your name and stealing beauty yeah that is directed by him right uh, call me by your name uh, no, no. my name is uh, Luca Guadagnino. That's right, because in the episode we talk, he was inspired by his work on stealing. Yeah. Me. That's right. Okay, so I made myself right. Th- th- this whole very slow pace, not knowing where you're going, intrusion on family life, really is with with him that he's a major influence on that sort of style of, of film, especially in Stealing Beauty, even though it's it's done in a different way. We still feel that we're, we're in this, in Liv Tyler's life. And then carried on in, in obviously, with Timothy Charlemagne and uh, Arnie Hammer in Call Me By Your Name as well. That whole, like, we don't know where it's going. So it's nice to see that that style of storytelling is, A, still around, and B, will never fade, because it is an interesting way to tell a story, especially when it's about real people in a real world, when there's there is no fictionalised story made up, you know, in the sense of that you know, like the child has superpowers or whatever, like some some fictitious addi- adding on to making it a different sort of story. Whereas this is a, is a, a story that happens to, can happen to anyone, about you know? A, about a water breaking, the thing is, as it's black and white, you don't know right away if, yeah, it, if it's black. That's true as well. Or water. Yeah, I or, mean, or the, I, and I mean, maybe that was part of the reason it was kind of like that could be red or that could be something else. Yeah. Like, I mean, of course, you have a, the grading of black and white. And so you could tell that it wasn't like deep, deep, deep red. But then again, I mean, who, who the whole t- especially because as soon as you go, get to the everything is difficult by that point, actually. Not that her life was super easy before, but there was a sense of like ease and happiness, innocence. And also even routine, like things were difficult because she'd have to wake up and early and she her life wasn't totally free and she'd had to work a lot. And, you know, but there was a sense of like she knew what she was doing. And then as soon as that happens, it's almost like that protest makes everything difficult. <laughs> it's like the it takes ages for them to get to the hospital yeah when they get to the hospital there are (laughs) thousands of people waiting and then okay so be interesting to see what you guys think but when they rush her into the the operating room because they can't find a heartbeat Mm -hmm. the camera goes to the side of a door and you hear a baby crying now for a second i thought oh she's given birth like that was their way of cutting to, her, you know, the sound of her baby. Because I think quite a lot of films do do that. Like, oh, there's a bit of a problem and then they'll cut to, you can hear, you know, the end of it and the, the, the baby is here, etc. And healthy and screaming, which is great. And then after that cry, you see the double doors opening and they slowly come. And that's when you follow her into the into the operating room i honestly i thought we would we would uh, see something i didn't think that was them telling us that although you're right because the, earlier in the film they do the thing where well when she has sex with the uh, fernand fermin fermin sorry i'm so sorry it was another guy called fernand <laughs> uh, fermin yeah sorry well the uh, thing is that some of the shots were so crowded that you never knew what was where, where the protagonist was so yeah uh yeah when when the current they they were at the, at the entrance of the hospital, it was like okay, when when are they coming again in the frame? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the yeah, it was a bit more than a protest because it's called the Corpus Christi massacre. So yeah. I guess that it didn't really turn well uh, in the end for everyone. Um, no. And I mean, it looked brutal because those boys literally followed a couple into a department store, slapped her, opened the uh, cupboard, and shot him. So it's almost like they they were targeting people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like a random thing of like, let's shoot up. It was like, I'm going to kill you mm. and I'll do it in any means possible. It was it was visceral, really intense. I'm actually quite embarrassed. I didn't look into the that protest at all and what it meant and what then happened. 
but it was obviously yeah very very intense mm. there were some really interesting uh let me see well Jan finds his notes the shots i, I have them are you got them sorry <laughs> Uh, 360 they, I guess the crew was minimal because there were some 360 shots mm. uh, around the house mm-hmm. uh, and yeah no um you know when uh, I don't know if you well you're probably not born but the beetle oh the car yes so it's funny it was the the car from my dad's uh, when he was younger when when we were young. All right, okay. And it's funny because as soon as I saw that, I remembered something weird that happened with my new Beetle. Something really weird, which actually also happens in that film. When the mum with the Ford Galaxy between the two trucks. <laughs> yeah. I had the exact same thing uh, oh, with wow. my new Beetle. Yeah. And it looked a bit like uh, the result also after like a huge scar on the... <sighs> On the side, it was like, "Oh, that's that's interesting. That happened. That happens, guys." <laughs> I thought that scene was a great fuck you to the husband. Oh yeah, that was a fantastic way to do that. Yeah, because you could kind of watch her like, um, "Am I going to make this? Oh, I'm not sure." Well, we have we have a lot of I, like I'll pick up on it now. The whole shots that highlight things are happening later. For example, with that scene. When we're first introduced to the Ford Galaxy, he takes forever to get in the drive because he doesn't want to smash it against the window. And then later on, you see the car arrive and it's just all messed up to shit. It's scratched. It's oh, it's hanging apart. And then sadly, earlier in the film when there's an earthquake symbolizing or foreshadowing a, a traumatic event, which would be the, the riot or the massacre later on in the film, because of that event, rubble falls onto a child's pen and... We don't know if it dies, but it's certainly... Incubator. Incubator. It certainly looks like that child dies in the footage. Now, we don't know that for a fact. And then the exact same thing happens later. A traumatic event happens in the world causing a child to die. Yeah. So there is a lot of stuff in this film that foreshadows it coming. Definitely. I, I loved, actually, that balance of how slowly he drove into the garage. Well, I don't know what you would call it. Driveway. The driveway, yes. And then how... Fuck you! Yeah, how kind yeah. of haphazardly she like drives in, <laughs> and it's like it's exactly the same. Like there's dog shit everywhere. I, that dog, what the hell were they feeding it? <laughs> no idea. Literally, all that um, dog did was jump up and down and shit everywhere. That's yeah. it, right? Yeah, there were quite a lot of balancing moments again, where you had, of course, her husband cheating on her obviously or like leaving and there's definitely a divorce happening and really beautifully done like nothing was said nothing was really you know there were fights but it, it wasn't kind of dramatic and plates being thrashed around it was more a quick hug from what is her name in the the mother what's her name in the in the film oh i don't, I don't know I don't remember. it's hard to ever mention because she's always mum or whatever Mama. Rach? No, I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, dear. Played by Marina del Telvira. And she basically just hugs him really, really quickly. And it's obviously that she's totally distraught. And then he kind of pulls her away and says, I'll be back in a few weeks. And then just gets in the car and drives away. And she watches him go and she's sobbing. We never see him again. I, we never see him. Well, we see the only the next times. Well, with the family, I should specify. Well, in a happy environment, because the next time we see him, he's obviously cheating because he's with the other woman. What I meant was the fact we never see him in the family context again. We see him running no. out. We see him running out of the the cinema, and we see him later in the hospital. That's the only other two times we see him, really. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a well. It seems like there are quite a lot of there are maybe three or four scenes where men treat women badly, which it's like a to- it's a common theme. But in very different ways, which I thought was very interesting. I said that the vegan movie started at forty-five minutes. That's tr- that ended at forty-five minutes. But that's not with the cinema scene. That's actually so. In this, they shy away from the actual well from stuff. So when you've got the mother and her mother uh, saying like, and when they ask about their dad, well, say he's on a business trip, stay calm. You have to be strong for the, with the children and everything. Okay, mum. It's, yeah. it's the camera is on so if you didn't have the subtitles you wouldn't get that mm. probably mm-hmm. 
because the camera is on the kids outside being picked up by Cleo and then comes back. It's very subtly, it's said uh, rather than sh- that shown, yes, but in, a, in an interesting shying away from it uh, kind of way. Just like when he's, um, no, when the mom is speaking to a doctor friend of hers uh, and then the camera uh, s- switches from this to Cleo arriving uh, with a with a the grandma, yeah, fairly aware, I'll, and I'll leave me a minute. I'll just finish with the doctor there. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of things I think people don't really focus on, like the fact that he stops sending them money, and how do they deal with you know the bills and the, and the house, and um, you know she's got five kids, five kids. No, I think. Four. Four kids. Four kids, and there was a friend at one point. Uh, one. I think he's like the the brother. Two, two, uh, wait, let me see. Two brothers, one sister, I think. Is that? Yeah, three no, there brothers. No, there is three because the yeah, car is including Cleo, yeah. There's three kids. And so the. And of course, at the end, it's very obvious that, the, you know, the change, the big change will be, of course, that dad isn't always around, but also they can't, they probably can't upkeep the house. No. And things are going to have to totally downsize. And it was very subtly done. I feel like there there wasn't any kind of... It, you really had to listen to every single sentence. And you had to... Don't watch this film half-tired. Ironically, for a film that's on Netflix, you can't watch it in a Netflix way, which would be on your phone, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, But also in a kind of binge watch, like, oh, I just want to put something on in the background. There's no way because there is so much going on. You talked about a scene, Jan, earlier, which I think really shows that the scene where they're outside and they've just been told that daddy isn't coming back home anymore. Oh, with the crab. Yeah. The crab is almost like reaching out. So it's like foreboding (laughs) and it's totally terrifying. I mean, I know that it's a seafood restaurant, but it's like, and then there's a wedding. The wedding is like when the when the it's flash a huge goes off. Fuck you, isn't it? Yeah, when like, the when the whoa. flash of the camera and the cheering goes, you're just like, oh wow, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, it's it's really intense, yeah. especially with this crab and just the way that it's lit. It's like there is so much going on, and also how the different kids react. I think that was really apt because kids will react differently. There's some that you know, one of the kids is like crying uncontrollably. One of them is literally telling the mum to fuck go fuck herself. Great, um, in like a childish way, he's like, well, what happened? Great, <laughs> Total attitude. Great tableau, I thought. With the, on the on the bench is a great tableau for all you yeah. theatre lovers out there. Oh yeah. A great tableau. There was a scene that lasted ten seconds with just nothing yeah. with the fire. Oh, oh god, yeah. 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 Just looking at the forest, we're not sure what hap- what's happening. It we, looks like it uh, could be fireworks, yeah, because it's New Year, and then like those uh, uh, mosquito uh, sparks. No, the ones that are light. Um, oh, uh, fireflies. Yes, mm-hmm. fireflies. But no, that's uh, it's a and it's a whole thing about a social thing about uh, locals being their land taken and all that kind of uh, yeah, true, yeah. Yeah. This is interesting uh, thing that uh, obviously Alfonso Cuaron wanted to show was this family going through horrible things, but also outside the 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 country is going through hell. People are going through hell, and so there's like a, a, a I don't know, like a um, a balance between the the world news and what you are going through yeah. as a family, and also I guess how much it affects certain people and others like you know th- i think when she goes to find fermine i think you're also supposed to realize how poor some people are um mm. not in terms of ge- in generally <laughs> i mean <laughs> but, and it's like, look at all these poor people with their band rehearsal in their back garden no, no. where do they keep their drum coat over under a tarpaulin stop it stop it no in terms of the ba- the connection between her house, the, I mean the the family's house, yeah, and the the landscape and and the ch- and the school and and you know their whole life, and then you see the other side. We don't know how long she is on that bus, so I don't know how long she was traveling for. But God knows, it, long time probably. Long time. Well, the problem about this movie, I cannot recommend it to my mother because of the pet trophies. That's oh, one. the dogs, yeah. Oh man, the that, weir- was... that was weird, wasn't it? 
Yeah, uh, just get your mum to go make a cup of tea or something at that point when yeah. it's on. It's like, mom, go and pour some, go and some wine needed bottling in the back oh, in, no. in the other room. And and the woman was like, oh yeah, do you remember this dog? There he is. <laughs> oh, he died <laughs> last. He died week. last year. He, he died in the summer. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a big. It's a bit weird. That's so that, that's even worse than John Wick. Uh, but yeah. and, and uh, at the end, uh, something that I think I talked about that a while ago that scarred my father for life when he almost lost me. Mm. Oh yeah, because uh, we were with a friend. We were on a sailing ship on a sailing boat, and at some point he left to do some stuff. He thought that I was still with the other ones, but I actually followed him, and I had two meters to jump to actually get from the the boat to the to the pier. So for him, I was still safe. When he went back, is he? Uh, oh, where is uh, Where is Jan? Well, he left with you. Then since then he's been scarred for life, like uh, being paranoid. Like uh, I, uh, call me when you're every, every time you're going somewhere. <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah. So I can't show him because of this. <laughs> yeah, that I mean is intense. I I'd actually really like to know what my dad thinks of this film, just because he he directs and he and he writes scripts and he's totally obsessed with film and the way that. Um, and obviously because he's done it he knows the thought process behind mm. and he might be able to shed some light on what that's like people love an upstairs downstairs which is a british tv show about a high society and the the workers or downton abbey is a bit downton abbey, downton abbey yeah. is another reference all these sort of like the staff and the 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 employers people love these sort of stories and this is just a, a modern well, a real version of what upstairs downstairs fictionalizes of a true accounts. The other thing I wanted to say on a on a lighter note, I had a really surreal moment of not only the wing and the fly moment um, of working out exactly what year it was. And when they're celebrating the new year, they are playing a rock opera of Jesus Christ Superstar, which I did at Youth Theatre, and I'm like, oh shit, they're playing like track eight. I, I love him so, which is the, the original from 1970. I'm like, right, I know exactly when this is. Oh, that was a that was a very surreal experience for me as well awesome. on that moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, 1970, 1971, mm. 71. The massacre was. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll put some pictures of some shots on the 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 notes for this episode the one when on the right there is like stairs and the dog she clearly oh, with, the, with the ducks yes the yeah, ducks the fucking, yeah. The, yeah that you see immediately having uh, fucking at the bottom of the stairs yes yeah. that was like I, I actually had to point that out i was like um don't, those ducks are having sex don't, don't. adam was like oh yeah i was like is she gonna kick the chicken off the stairs <laughs> oh wait there's some ducks shagging at the bottom of the stairs <laughs> it was um yeah God. I guess it was a the a, a, a small look into rural life, their own lives. Like you know, you walk out the door and there are ducks having sex and chickens in your way. I don't know. I don't know why, but I was desperate for the film to end on the beach, just because I love the whole four hundred blows. You know, when if it's a coming of age film, being at the beach. Because um, looking up here for listeners, top left. Free in is the scratch off for City of God, which also features kids at a beach. A lot of these, because I got a lot of City of God vibes, especially when we visit the the rundown area. And the weirdest background shot ever of a guy being fired out of a cannon. Yes, that yes. was fun as well. But um, I don't know why I wanted it to end on the beach with them huddling. I'm like, this is a good moment, but obviously it's too big of a climactic moment to because obviously it's her being able to save a child when her child wasn't savable. You know, all the you, it's too high, it's too high of a moment to end on. So we need that resolution of how yeah. the film ends. You need to calm it down a little. Bit. I I think as well that I think that was a really interesting scene because I had I, I felt like this could go either way. Like mm-hmm. as soon as you have you know a mother going don't strayed the path you're like oh god they're gonna stray the path aren't they mm-hmm. and i honestly thought oh god there's gonna be there's another kid gonna drown is uh, is she gonna blame Cleo? like i had all sorts of paths going through my head like this could go any different way yeah but it what was interesting is that you see a little bit of um so you know when you go through something that is horrible and you kind of also then purge the feelings that you like repressed inside from years ago as well. 
So it's like you, it, this probably happened to her. It's like you go through a trauma of like saving two children from drowning. And then she cries about, it's like the first time she's been able to totally open up about what her real deep feelings are about giving birth to a stillborn baby. Mm. And she talks, I mean, the first thing she repeats is I didn't want her. So it's almost like she blames herself it's like, if I didn't want her to be born and then she wasn't, how do I reconcile that? Mm. And then, of course, you have this outpouring of love from the family that she's part of. Yeah. Part of because which was nice because it's like you're part of you are part of the family. Like as much as there is hierarchy and there are so many problems the that that was actually quite a nice moment to end on you know because yeah. it also brings it back to the beginning like hopefully one day life will go back to normal mm. so you also do think that you know this family is probably not this is not the last adventure they'll go through because it's there are talk about them being broke or at least they can't afford the things that they you you know yeah. did before so there are a lot of changes that are going to happen but it kind of goes back to the beginning so yeah i thought that was quite a nice ending the last thing i've got notes wise and really because i think we've talked about it a lot actually very and liked quite well i'm quite proud of that is the <laughs> one hour an hour Whew. nearly one day will be an hour <laughs> is the like almost less than a minute scene of the astronauts in space the gravity reference. Oh, yeah. I don't know if George Clooney's character is called Vinny. No, that's Marooned, isn't it? Isn't that the... Marooned, yeah. Marooned, yeah, but it's it's clearly an homage to, the, to gravity that the guy directs. He was inspired by Marooned to direct gravity. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. Right, got you. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't seen Marooned, hmm. so uh, my mistake. I think it's quite ironic that it's actually filmed on... 65 millimeters but the only way you can see it is on netflix it's <laughs> <laughs> so on small phones or tvs which is man Solana. yeah the world's changing you the world know it is changing do you think it's uh, sad in a way that a film like this it would not have been made in hollywood so at least it exists yeah that's what uh, the director says i mean that is really it, really happy that it's done that way and it links to our episode with Paul, you know, distribution. And even with Alan and Tommy, you know, something with limited release. Of course. It's like, there's just some things that should... Like, this is a brilliant film. Yeah. That should be out there. Yeah. But it's not. And it's because of Netflix that it will be seen by many people, you know? Yeah. I I think... Uh, it's funny as well because uh, we, I think we've spoken about this before, but we've done a play where one of the lines is, you know, I went, I, I was in a film that went straight to Netflix. Do you know how bad that is? Oh, Caroline um, and Troika, yeah. Yeah. And actually nowadays, no, <laughs> it's kind of changed. Like maybe straight to Netflix, I can understand because that obviously doesn't get the same distribution, but actually it's probably changing towards if you go straight to netflix you it's it's not as bad as it used to be and that was only three years ago so it's changing dramatically look yeah. netflix wants good things on its platform of course because, because if you look at some of the dirge there's a good word for you <laughs> if it's on netflix me and jan recently watched. well i watched the last 30 minutes jan watched the whole bloody thing if it was a Oh God! It was a it was a, a Little Mermaid thing, but it wasn't a Little Mermaid. It was just a mermaid, and it was a story about freeing a mermaid. And it was also Titanic because it was a woman and troll too, because it was a guy no. reading the story to a younger child. Anyway, it was it, it was it was dirge, and it was it, it didn't say Netflix film, which is different, but it was on Netflix. I think the idea of Netflix having their own studio and wealth of movies that are Netflix films. Yeah, they have are... good documentaries, don't they? Netflix original documentary usually is really good. Wasn't that last year, the Icarus? Exactly. One for best documentary? Exactly. So, so... so that's the thing. That's that, And also things like that will make Netflix's, um, what's it called, um, platform become even higher. Viable. Yeah, it will become more viable. Exactly. Thank you. Jan, you were going to say something. Yeah, no, Sorry. It's been touched a bit. No, it's no longer just a $1 DVD bin Netflix. Now they're producing their own stuff and Prime followed and YouTube. Yeah, that's they've gone from being a bargain bin in a, in a, in a cheap shop or gas station to becoming what used to be Blockbuster. 
Uh-huh. You know, and, yeah. and now the next step is becoming their own studio. Yeah. Like in a Marvel or Warner Brothers or any of these massive, oh, massive studios. You know, they're they're going, they're growing exponentially. Lest we forget that Amazon spent a billion dollars for the rights to Lord of the, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Immediately, it's a five five series. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the biggest money ever spent to acquire rights for a television show. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So these studios, they've got the money to make the gambles, you know? Yeah, it's it's not it's not a, a down thing on your career anymore if you're on Netflix. It actually probably will just keep going on up and up and up. Yeah. Cool. I mean, the one thing that I... This might be a different episode... <sighs> But whatever is ins- insatiable <laughs> coming out and causing such a ruckus. Totally, I understandably, this isn't just you know online Twitter mob going mental for no reason. Like, um, that actually was it was it's just stupid. It's just not. We don't talk about stuff like that. Um, and then now we have dumpling, which has totally switched it on its head. It's kind of about the same thing. But it's about someone who is a little bit bigger actually looking like that and going into pageantry rather than going into pageantry and seeking revenge, but looking like a supermodel, which is what Insatiable was doing. So actually on that kind of platform, that just goes to show that how quickly things are realized and then changed if you just you know with the anger that people have online well there is outrage and there is what sells yeah (laughs) it's not the same on the same scale people were outraged by the trailer for insatiable because i don't think anyone watched the actual (laughs) i'm joking i watched one episode i watched one episode and and, well i i I just found it really insulting just because as much as i understand that you know you you know the ugly duckling story is very (sighs) Uh, it's a great story to tell. Well, it's rags to riches. Right. But rags to riches stories are everywhere. Right. Okay. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah fine. Um, but it's about um, the fact that, that Netflix put something out and now it has something that everyone loves. It just goes to show how much it's in everyone's lives and that actually things can change very quickly. Mm. And like it, um, I feel like this being on Netflix, I don't know, like th- this, th- you hope that you'll see more of the films like this on Netflix. Well, what Netflix wants is, they're, well, maybe they don't want that, actually. I was going to say Netflix want their own films to be shown in cinemas. Well, Which I was going to say, do they want? But then I'm like, no. And then I thought, like, yeah, they do, because they would get the money because they're the production company. Yeah, they would, they would get, get the distribution money. rights because it's, yeah. And some chains uh, just don't want, like to have to have them just for three weeks. Like AMC refused to have Roma, and there is another one, Regal, I think, also. Really, what a shame! Oh well, um, it's a fantastic film. It cool. really is. Yeah. Anyone else got anything before we? I have three words. But All right, go stuff. for it. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Go on. Shanti, 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 which means uh, shanti means peace, rest, calmness, tranquility, or bliss. When I watched, I don't uh, always do that, but I watched until the very end of the end credits. And that's where I saw that it was shot on 65 millimeters. And the last thing that you see right before you get the title again, and you get those three words, which are, well, three times the same word, which is apparently something that uh, Alfonso Cuaron already uh, uses in his movies. You can hear that a few times. Uh, Shanti, shanti, shanti. Really? Yeah, once or a few times. That's quite nice. Mm. That's because, um, of course, in in India you have Om Shanti Om, which is Om, which is you know the Om yoga move sound. Is isn't it the sound of the universe or something like the hum of the, it's the to universe? Do with that, yeah. I think and then Shanti is peace. So it's like yeah, that's in Sanskrit inner peace. Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. Mm. A state of being mentally and spiritually at peace with enough knowledge and understanding to keep oneself strong in the face of discord or stress. Wow. I mean, our podcast does that, right? Right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, dear. Wow. Well, rating. All right, then. All right, then. Pen in a picture. Pen in a picture. Okay, I'll ask the question, then. Mm? Ask the question. Anouk Yan, was Roma good, bad, or just plain standard? Anouk. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. 
I will put this in my masterpiece. Oh, right. Okay. Cool. Jan? It was good. And I would say fascinating. I was enthralled by everything, mm. uh, by the cinematography. I was just like, yeah, more, more. I want more of this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I exa- good. And I would echo what Jan just said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. It's a definite watch because everyone in the world has a Netflix account. Go and watch it. Go watch it. Yeah, it's just that I can't recommend that to my uh, parents. But well, you can't recommend no. certain scenes. But apart from that, <laughs> no. And probably the, the they're making the effort to to watch movies with subtitles. But this one, I'm not, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Oh, that's true as well, actually. Yeah. Okay. We were Adam, Anouk, and Jan. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Shanti. Shanti. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. If you like what you heard, you can leave us a review via iTunes. If you want to keep up to date with what we're doing, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Good Bad Standard Podcast on both platforms. If you fancy seeing the live streams that we talk about on the podcast, they can be found on YouTube.com. You search for Milk in a Wine Glass. There are other bits and bobs on there too, just to see what Jan's up to during the week. And if you really like us, like really, really like us, why don't you head on over to patreon.com slash goodbadstandardpodcast and have a look if you want to support us. Any small donation is appreciated.